Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 224. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Every second of every day, your restaurant is talking to you. Between the chatter online, interacting with your POS system, or making transactions with your credit card processor, these are all opportunities to collect data, crucial data that can help you make the right decisions in your restaurant. To learn more, schedule a demo by going to resources.upserve.com slash restaurantunstoppable. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Robert Cartwright. Robert, please tell me you're feeling unstoppable today. I am feeling amazingly unstoppable. And yes. thank you so much for having me on your podcast, dude. I'm it's a my huge pleasure. fan. Thank you. And here's a quote to get it started. So oh, Tim yeah. Grover is an athletic trainer. He trained Michael Jordan. Kobe Bryant, D. Wade, um, Charles Barkley, when he needed to lose a few pounds towards the end of his career. And this quote is, the drive to close the gap between near perfect and perfect is the difference between being great and being unstoppable. And that is totally you, dude. Oh, man, thank thank you. you. (laughs) That is awesome. Great way to get this started. I can't wait to teach the listeners a little bit more about you and to find out how you got to where you are and to just absorb all these bombs of knowledge you have because I've already spoken to you before. It was a great experience, and I know this is going to be an awesome interview. So Robert gained 20 years of experience in operations, Six Sigma, financial management, business development, and multi-unit general management responsibility with Starwood Hotels and Resorts. He became co-founder and chief executive officer of Key Hospitality Group, a hotel management and hospitality real estate development firm. During Robert's tenure, the company managed and developed several assets in collaboration with Starwood Hilton and Intercontinental Hotel Group. Today, Robert serves as co-founder and chief executive officer of Untitled Hospitality Group. Man, you've accomplished so much. You've had so many like just titles in your career, and this is just like the short version of what you've done. Um, and it's it's great, man. Uh, I can't wait to get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling. I mean, you already gave us a quote. Now you're going to give us your mantra. Just hit it with right now. Do it. I can't wait. Uh, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> my, my mantra that I go by uh, is that nobody cares how much you know until – they know how much you care. And I think that, you know, one of the things I try to do is understand that you have to lead with heart and people that lead with heart and care deeply about their people and their ability to grow and reach their potential. They're much better equipped to handle challenges, differences, and any difficulties that are created by people you work with. So, you know, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And, If you, um, you know, if you don't think of your team as a family, why should the team think of you as the head of the family? So I don't want to say you have to love your team, but you really have to like and respect them. And you have to deeply care about the people that work under your leadership if your team is ever going to fire on all cylinders. So, 
That's and my that's my mantra. I love it. I really do. And just I mean, at the core of that is just caring. And I've learned so much about not having to know all the answers, not needing to be the best. But if you if you work harder, if you care more than anybody else, that caring is what's going to resonate with people. People knowing that you're just doing it with everything you got, and, and you can win people over with that. You you can just resonate with people, just showing how much you care. And I'm so happy you went there this early off in the interview. And I'll be honest, man, I, I, I was introduced to you by a mutual friend of ours, Hopi, and I don't typically break outside the restaurant realm. And Hopi was like, you got to get this guy on the show. He's awesome. Like He, he will just... Like just open your eyes and just give you new perspectives. And his philosophies are so great. Like he has to be on your show. And I was hesitant. And then we got coffee. We what I thought was going to be like a half hour. Like okay, this is why I should be on the show. Like give me your reasons. I'm sure you have great reasons. How long did we sit down and have coffee for? Three hours and uh, ten minutes. And <laughs> so I know I I know that because my wife kept texting saying, "Where are you? And what are you doing?" <laughs> yes, um, the time. The time really flew, and I really enjoyed, oh, man. you know, getting to know you and talking to you, and and you know, I, I really admire what you're doing, and and you are following your passion and doing what you're supposed to be doing in your life, and that resonates with me. And oh. I don't know, I just uh, I, I really had a nice connection with you, so I'm, I'm I'm deeply appreciative and grateful to be with you today. Thank you, brother. I re- really do appreciate that, and you know, you really did just win me over, and you have such uh, incredible just views on hospitality in general and you know hospitality the restaurant industry they uh the or you know hotels and restaurants they really are just such close relatives and i mean the philosophies apply in both uh you know uh industries that i just needed to get you on the show because we can learn so much from you today and that's what we're gonna do man you're gonna blow us away with bombs of knowledge today i know you are so um why don't you just tell us a little bit more about uh what you got going on now what your baby is with untitled hospitality and what your mission is with your restaurant or your uh, hotel group yeah absolutely um so untitled hospitality we formed it last year um, and it's been a natural evolution for me personally uh, and professionally. And we are a um, hotel ownership and development group that is geared towards owning and developing uncommon hotels and restaurants, ones that really are not associated with the brand. And, you know, the name Untitled, um, a lot of businesses actually are called Untitled. And, you know, I think if you remember uh, when we were talking about my background in art and graffiti, as a reformed graffiti writer in Brooklyn, um, the creativity that I found in expressing myself as an artist really comes through in the business world. And we decided to call it untitled because when an artist decides to name their art as untitled, they're leaving it up to the viewer of the art to decide what they feel about it. And rather than, you know, us as a management company or an ownership company tell you what you think what we think you should feel, we are going to have the service and the experience and the connection we have with you emotionally serve as the art for our company. And so, you know, untitled, um, you know, is a natural evolution of my, uh, of my growth as a person. And we are in the process of building a uh, specialty hotel in the San Diego area. Uh, so our main offices are located in San Diego. Um, you know, I still live in New Hampshire and commute back and forth. And in the fall of 2017, we will be unveiling a new genre, a new concept in hospitality that is unlike anything that has been seen in the hotel and restaurant world, for that matter. You know, as we know, 
every uh, hotel has a restaurant and what we're going to do in our hotel will be very different. Um, the brand of the hotel or the name of the hotel, I can't share with you, um, but I'll drop some Easter eggs, if you will, that uh, will probably give some of your listeners a hint as to what the brand will be. And um, it's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, one of the things that um, really just drew me to you was your focus on your people and on developing people and giving this perspective of this industry being more than just a for now job. And I'm sure we'll have opportunities to dive into that as the interview unfolds. But uh, tell us about your why. What drives you? What is it about this industry? Why did you start Untitled Hospitality Group? Like what what should we resonate when it comes like what, what should we resonate with when it comes to you? Um, that's a great question. And, you know, I am a total nerd when it comes to learning and educating and trying to make yourself better. So I'm a huge fan of Simon Sinek. I know you'd know that. Um, but my why is, you know, I've got it in my office right now on a post-it note, so I could even read it to you. And my why is to engage and connect with humans in meaningful ways so that we can live a, in a more fulfilled world. Um, it's pretty simple, actually. For me, it's about finding happiness, creating happiness, and spreading it. Uh, what motivates me isn't money. Um, it's certainly a scorecard for sure, but it's really more of an outcome of what I do. Um, it doesn't get me up and at them for my daily work, and it doesn't help me go home every day saying, wow, I made you know 100 bucks today. That doesn't give me fulfillment. Um, when I feel like I can make a difference in somebody's life, it makes me more fulfilled. And that could be a customer. It could be a coworker. Um, and that's a deeper level of happiness that money just can't buy. So when I see people I work with that feel they can make a difference and they actually do it, um, and I see their happiness, it brings me more happiness. And of course, to the customer and the fellow coworker, um, and that is the start of a really loyal relationship. When you can create this connection and happiness with people you work with and the people you serve, that's the start of loyalty. And, you know, when you take that a step further, um, you know, when you help people overcome challenges, you're able to inspire them to work hard, to learn, to never give up. There's also a mutual fulfillment um, that simply makes me feel more alive and that I actually have a purpose in doing what I'm doing. You know, the restaurant world and, and hospitality and hotels, it's not the most glamorous life. But, you know, for me, it's it, it's what I feel like I was born to do, what I'm meant to do. Um, it's in my DNA and I absolutely love it. And I have such fulfillment on watching people be successful. And my career has grown and evolved just as I've grown as a human. And I've worked for large companies in cities, as you know, all over the United States from LA, Boston, San Diego, um, you know, certainly in New Hampshire. And, and what I remember most vividly in all of the jobs I've done in my 20 years as being a manager in hospitality it's not the jobs or the titles about, or, you know, how much money I made or if I made a bonus or not. What I remember most vividly are the people that cared about me, that mentored me, that spent time with me, the people that helped me grow and mature and that took a chance on me. And, you know, it's something I'm deeply grateful for. And, you know, to be a mentor is a pretty unselfish commitment. And that unselfish commitment was shown towards me. And it's what drives my vocation of hospitality and, you know, I, I talk a lot about that with our guys, which is it's a vocation. And, um, you know, a vocation is something that you are committed to. It's something that you are doing what you are probably supposed to be doing in life. And I think it's my absolute responsibility to pay that forward. 
and keep that vocation of hospitality vibrant and rewarding because it worries me that, you know, the younger generation, um, they're not as inspired as I was 20 years ago to become the person I am today. Man, can you tell why I wanted him on the show now? I mean, doesn't he, like, dude, you're... You just get me so worked up, man, and I love these the messages that are in what you're saying as far as just making a difference in somebody else's life and fulfilling doing fulfilling work and just uh, just caring like and just having impact on other people's and just remembering those who had an impact on you and just having that resonate and just stick with you all these times. Like there's just so much that you're saying is just making me smile ear to ear right now, man. I'm loving it. Um, but you talked about, you know, uh, 20 years ago, the passion you had and what got you so inspired in the first place. So let's go back to that time, 20 years ago when you, I mean, before this, you were kind of maybe, uh, getting into some trouble. Like when did, like, how did you find hospitality as an outlet to, you know, rechannel, uh, I mean, your, your passions, your talents, and just you're your, such a worker, man. Like, like, how did you discover hospitality, and how did you become so passionate about it? You know, um, my dad worked for a company called ITT, and they owned Sheraton at the time. And, and you know, we would go to some great hotels and great vacations, and I remember so vividly how people would treat my dad because he was an executive with this company. And I liked the way that I felt when I was in a hotel or I went to a restaurant and I knew at a really young age that I was going to do this. Now, you know, when I was younger, I wasn't the, you know, the greatest kid. Um, you know, I did get into some trouble growing up in Brooklyn, New York. And, and, you know, my artistic side was an outlet for me. And it, that took the form of graffiti and doing murals. And it's still a big part of my life today. Some of my best friends on earth are really famous and and good, incredible artists and graffiti artists. And, you know, my first job in hospitality was at a um, coffee, the Columbian Coffee Cafe at the uh, Sheraton, New York Hotel and Towers. I was 15 years old and I was a server. And I will be honest with you, man, I was the worst server on the planet. (laughs) I was... I was not good. And, you know, I got the job when I was 15. I quickly turned 16 after that. And it was an eye-opening experience because working in New York City, traveling, you know, to Manhattan from Brooklyn was an experience. Um, But I always wanted to hustle. And, you know, it was a desire for me to connect with people. Um, And I've even as a kid, you know, I was a pretty introverted growing up. But as I got a little bit older, I became more extroverted and I loved the feeling of seeing a smile on somebody's face because you actually use their name and they paid with a credit card and you actually used it because so many people in hospitality, unfortunately, make the choice to not connect with the customer. Mm -hmm. And that was my first job. So that's how I, you know, got into hospitality was when I was 15. That was my first job at a Sheraton. And, um, you know, moving forward to when I, um, you know, finished college and moved out to San Diego, I was always taking chances. And, you know, all my friends from Brooklyn were, you know, they had a pool going. When is Rob coming back to Brooklyn? And I remember leaving and saying, I am never coming back, guys. I got a job as a management trainee at the Sheraton San Diego Hotel and Marina, a place that is uh, so near and dear to my heart. And uh, that was back in 1994. And, um, you know, it has, uh, you know, the things that people in hospitality will tell you is, 
it's an all-encompassing part of your life. I met my wife at that hotel. We got married there. Um, you know, we've been together for 21 years now. And, um, you know, you, you spend so much of your time, whether it's in a restaurant or in a hotel, and you end up surrounding yourself, right? Uh, and I think you remember, you even said this to me, you, you're, you're a culmination of the five people that you're around the most. Mm-hmm. And I've always tried to surround myself with great people. And, you know, my wife is actually the greatest person I could ever be around. And, you know, she was in sales and housekeeping and HR. And I have a permanent HR director at home as a counselor, as a coach. um, And it's been great. So hospitality has been everything to me. And I still feel like I have a ton more of stuff to accomplish in hospitality. And, uh, I mean, in your story, when I was talking to you the, during the pre-interview when we were having that coffee, you were telling me about your first GM job, and I think you said you were 30 years old, and, uh, like, tell me about that experience, because <laughs> I, I just got a kick out of it, and, I mean, you, you took all these chances, and you, you got all this responsibility, you did all the things right, you just said yes to every opportunity, and then you found yourself sitting at the top of, you know, at the hierarchy at 30 years old. What was that like? (laughs) It was the, uh, you know, when I actually got the job and, you know, so keep in mind, I, you know, I had worked there before. It was my first job. I got married at at this hotel and, you know, I think I was actually maybe 31, 30 or 31. And I remember calling my wife and saying, I got the job and, you know, this is a clean show. I'm going to keep it clean. I'm not going to tell you what she said, but it was, (laughs) oh my, we've been, you know, I cannot believe you got the job. And so, you know, it's a, it's a great story um, for me as a, you know, as a person. And so um, the the Sheridan San Diego, it's a thousand fifty two rooms, a very large convention hotel. It's got five food and beverage outlets. Um, It is an awesome hotel with a terrific uh, reputation. And here I was as a first time GM. Now I was a hotel manager there before I worked in accounting. I worked at the front desk um, but I'm in my early thirties, right? Really early thirties. And yeah. here I was, you know, barely wet behind the ears. And I've been selected to lead, you know, 70 managers and 850 full-time associates. Wow. And naturally a lot of these managers had a ton more experience than I did. And honestly, who was I to be their new manager? And I had a super tall task and I had a ton to overcome, but you know what? I had the enthusiasm of a second grader with a college degree and a business card, and I was totally up for it because it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So why did and, they choose you? What was so special about you? All these other managers, all this experience, they chose you. Why? Um, you know, it's about, uh, I think, my ability to engage everyone and, you know, uh, in, engaging and understanding people. And having a commitment that was unselfish, and that's what I've always tried to do. Um, I always think that if you're engaged with everybody, and, and Shelly, my wife, uh, she calls me a savant with names and numbers, um, more names than numbers, actually. Um, and I have a great ability to remember people's names, and I can connect with people on a deeper level by you know, actively listening and getting to know them. And you know, I can get people um, incredibly inspired and get people really excited to find solutions to their problems. And uh, people believed in me and they believe in me because I, uh, you know, I think authenticity and genuineness is the most overword, overused word in leadership and business today. But, um, you know, with me, you get what you get. Um, you know, I have a certain level of candor where if you have a piece of spinach in your tooth, I will tell you. Um, <laughs> and, 
you know, if I have to, you know, redirect somebody or tell them they're not going down the right path, um, I'm able to, you know, do it with a level of candor that usually results in a hug at the end. So um, I think that's probably why um, that people believed in me and that um, it really is about the team and it's not about me as a leader. And I think people that are selfish and it becomes all about them and that's where they fail. But um, I really want the best for all the people I work with. So I, that's why I think they gave me the, um, they gave me the opportunity. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, we're, I feel like I'm reliving this coffee with you. We had a couple of weeks ago and just getting worked up and caught in the moment. Uh, but another thing that you told me in that story, you, you had this meeting with somebody and you, walk me through that experience, this meeting you had, you were breaking out into a cold sweat do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> uh, I do. I do. I can't believe you're bringing that one up. Let's but, do um, it. That's the, that's the good stuff, man. I want you to lay it all out. That there. is, I was in a meeting with a couple of PR professionals. And, you know, I was working, you know, 6 a.m. in the morning till 7 or 8 at night, six days a week. Was and this the first meeting you had as your role as general manager? No, I was probably into it for about four months. Okay. And um, I don't know if it was a panic attack, but it was probably pretty close to it when I had this realization where I stopped for a moment and said, I'm responsible for a hotel that is worth over $300 million that generates $100 million in sales. And I felt like my heart was going to come through my <laughs> chest. And I excused myself from the meeting. I called my doctor and said, I'm hoping I'm not having a heart attack here. And he said, you're not you probably drank a way too much caffeine and you probably haven't slept. So drink as much water as you can and come in and see me. And that's what it was. You know, I was having some anxiety about it and you know what? I shared that with my team and um, you know, so they had an understanding of, you know, where I was as a leader and that I can't do this alone. And, you know, I've been entrusted with the keys to this really big hotel and then I needed their, you know, I needed their help. And, you know, the thing that made me successful at that hotel was I, um, you know, there were managers that I was managing, if you will, or leading that, you know, had 30 years more leadership experience than me um, that that were, you know, um, you know, they didn't they doubted me at first because I was a young, young person and and young and experienced too. I mean, I was a leader for maybe 10 years at the time. And the thing that made me successful with them was I asked what their expectations of me were. And I sat down with each of them. I engaged with them and it was more about what could I do to make them more successful. And I wrote down all of their expectations. And then I wrote down some of mine and we shared them together. And one of them uh, for me is to always tell me, what I need to hear versus what I want to hear. And there's a, there's a gentleman, his name is Gary Harkins, and hopefully he'll listen to this because um, I wanted to know how much I appreciate him. Gary started as a bellman at Sheridan San Diego and worked his way up to be the regional director of IT for Starwood in Southern California. He's still there at that hotel. And he was on our leadership team, and I was his direct supervisor. And so he took my expectation to heart. And he would let me know if he thought I was going down a wrong path or I wasn't doing what I said I was going to do, or I was just not, you know, being the best Robert that I could be. 
And one night we were on a, a leadership retreat and he sat me aside and said, you're one of the smartest, most passionate guys I've been around, you know, I'm more than 25 years older than you. And here's what I think you could do better. And I remember being pissed. I'm like, who the heck is this guy telling me what to do? I'm his boss for Christ's <laughs> sake. And you know what? I sat down the next day and I really just took it to heart. And I remember writing him a note saying, Gary, your talk meant more to me than anything I've had in the last 10 years. And I want you to know how much I appreciate That's it. Awesome. And he came back to me and said, you know what? I didn't expect that. And you're becoming the mature leader that I knew you could. And so, um, you know, that team and those people I worked with for the years I was the GM there, you know, I love those guys dearly would do anything for them. And it was one of the more special times in my life was, you know, working as the GM of that hotel. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot from the people that worked with me. Um, I think I gave back a lot. And, you know, the best thing that came out of there for me, um, you know, if you said, hey, what's the success that you like the most about that hotel uh, or your experience there? We had the highest employee engagement for two years in a row for the Western region. So we were 90 percent um, totally engaged workforce of 850 people. Um and it was just a result of, of us really caring more about what we did and caring more about the people. And, um, yeah, it's, as you can tell, I'm pretty passionate about my experience there. Oh, man, uh, just such a great story. And the reason why I wanted you to get so real with us and to, you know, open yourself up to share that story is because I wanted people to see that, you know, people, everyone – deals with the struggles. Everybody has those moments when they, they feel like they got in too deep and they can't get out, but you can get out. Uh, you can get out of it if you just stay positive. And the other thing to take away from that too is that if you're not uncomfortable, if you're not pushing yourself to the, the point where you're getting anxiety attacks, you're never going to grow. And that's how you grow fast is by always being right up there, like against the firewall, just pedal to the metal, pushing yourself and look how far you got at such a young age, being in charge of all these people, you know, 25 years, your senior and look at the respect you were able to get from them by having that just, you know, 10 X mentality of just doing the work and showing up and taking chances and saying, yes, to the opportunity, you're going to shit your pants at some point along the line. It's like, it's going <laughs> to happen when you do that. Um, but I think the way you handled it with your transparency and just being real with your people and not, you know, pretending or faking to be anything like we can just all learn something from that. Uh, I think there's just a lot to be, you know, learned from that experience of transparency and just pushing yourself to the limit and uh, you know, just what will happen, how fast you'll grow if you do that. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I mean, we're already like a half hour into this interview. We've got a lot to cover, but let's just start talking about those if factors. I think we, we covered a lot of them just from listening to you talk and some of the things I wrote down, uh, then I'll let you take it to see if there's anything I missed, but um, your ability to just be unselfish, your ability to connect with others, to inspire others, to find solutions where other people might not see solutions, to develop trust and rapport with, with people. These are the things I wrote down as you were talking. Uh, what are some of the other if factors that you think you possess that have contributed to your awesome success? Well, thanks. I, I don't know if it's awesome success, but I can tell you that I feel pretty fulfilled as a human being. Um, you know, the, you know, I have a, a probably a disproportionate um, quest or obsession with keeping things um, simple and um, simplicity is, you know, simplicity gives you 
you know, speed and self-confidence, but it also from a messaging standpoint to your team, if you're able to keep things simple, um, it's going to make it a lot easier for them to remember it. And, you know, I have found that you should only develop a few initiatives, um, of course, with the input of your team. And, and what I mean, a few, and you got to stick with them and they have to be simple in nature and they generally will take a life of their own, take on a life of their own, you know, organizations that have a million initiatives and goals, they usually find themselves, you know, spinning their wheels like a hamster on a treadmill. Um, and they rarely accomplish the important stuff. So, you know, having simple goals and how you communicate them to your team and more importantly, what the role of each individual on your team is in exceeding those goals. It's always worked really well for me. So, you know, keeping them simple allows people to easily remember them, keeping each role or really each person focused on how they can influence the results um, is a super important competency. And it can't just be the GM or, you know, the general manager. We all have to do it with our team, uh, their team members. And I guess the other, you know, it factor, um, and I talk about this a lot with the younger managers, is having a teachable point of view. And a teachable point of view is what you have when you're able to figure out, you know, that implicit information inside your nugget, your brain, and you could make it explicit to others. Um, and it ends up becoming a vision that comes from your ability to connect with people and to connect with the needs of your business. Um, you know, like key business ideas, for example, such as being the best place to work and stay in a market um, or values that shape your, uh, that drive your behavior, which are usually around for me, collaboration and community. Uh, but when you have a, when you have a teachable point of view and you can start to really understand how to energize people emotionally, so they live those ideas and values, it's a, it's worked for me. And I've experienced that managers that can have that teachable point of view um, and great managers are energizing, enthusiastic, and, and authentically committed, I guess. They, they bring a natural energy to all they do, and it generally works. And I don't think you have to be an outgoing dude or a gal to create energy, um, you know, or be enthusiastic. I think it works for introverts and extroverts. So it's a total cop-out if someone tells you they can't be energizing or enthusiastic, and you just got to figure out your own way to accomplish the outcome and chart your own course. Um, yeah, has you know, I guess, to do too with just finding your passion. It's amazing. You might not even realize the energy you have when you start talking about something you're passionate about. It just comes out of you. I, I totally agree. And, you know, um, we're in the service business. We work in restaurants and we work in hotels. And the simple teachable point of view that, um, and I told you this um, when we were in, in New Hampshire and we were having coffee you have a choice with how every interaction is going to be perceived, right? And mm -hmm. that is with your coworkers. That's with your customers, your guests, your family for that matter. And people are going to walk away from that interaction and they're going to say one of three things, or they're going to think one of three things. They're going to say something good. They're going to say something bad, or they're going to say nothing at all. And if you think about that in the context of a coworker, a family member or a customer, and you're able to energize your team around that reality and you, you, you literally, you know, you pour into them by talking about it every single day. I assure you that if you think about the outcome of the interaction before it takes place, you know, your people are going to approach it with the right mindset. I love it, man. Awesome stuff. Just to summarize those it factors, keeping things simple, uh, you know, less is more. Having those simple goals makes them uh, easier for your, I wouldn't say easier for your team to, uh, to attain, but 
the picture is clear. They can see where you want to go. Is that kind of what you're saying there? hundred percent. It's, um, you know, that, that the teachable point of view of having a, you know, simple goal and our, our simple goal. when when I was at the Sheridan San Diego and not to keep talking about that experience, but our goal was to be the best hotel in San Diego and everything that we did revolved around it. And our director of rooms, Dave Williams, you know, when we had this strategic retreat, he came up with, you know, he was kind of summarizing what we were all talking about in terms of our expectations and the rules of working as a new team together, right? And there were about 11 of us. And Dave said, it's, it's more about the team than the individual. Mm-hmm. And he came up with this um, slogan or philosophy that I still have to this day. I give him credit every time I say it. Um, and it's, we are greater than me. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, and then the greater than side me. And once he said it, we were like, click, that's it. That was it. It was like, you know, light bulbs are going off. We're high fiving each other. We were fist pumping before it was even popular. Cause it was a long time ago. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's a, it's a simplicity of it. So we wanted to be the best hotel in San Diego. And the way we were going to get there was we are greater than me. And it's all about putting team first. And we, did an internal guerrilla marketing campaign and we put the, the, we greater than sign me everywhere and people were talking about it. Um, so yeah, it's, it, for me, it's a lot, it's a lot about keeping things simple, having a vision that will impact the business results as an outcome. And then, you know, walking the talk like you're supposed to do, which yeah. is a really hard thing to do. And I just wrote down, you know, the ability to energize people, which I'm sure if you're listening to this, it's evident, man. Like you just have this, your passion comes through, you get people worked up, you, you're a cheerleader. And I, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Like I'm not seeing you with pom poms or anything like that, but like you just inspire people to, you know, bring it. And that's what I love about you, man. So let's talk about, hey, thanks. <laughs> let's talk as long about, as you're not, you're, you're not like referring to me as a cheerleader, like Phil Dunphy on modern family. So that's <laughs> not what you mean, right? No, no, we're good. We're good. We're good. Uh, so let's talk about some of your failures. Where did you just fall hard on your ass? Take us through that failure, how it felt, what you learned from it and how you're better today because of it. Well, I guess I could share, you know, I've got so many of them to be honest with you. Um, you know, and I'd share a failure and maybe a career challenge, but, um, you know, you know, because of my natural way that I am and being creative and trying to find different ways to do things and, and, and more creative ways when I'm put in a box of working within a structure of um, having a person that is a micromanager is my manager um, or working with a company where they tell you, you have to say this at this time and you have to do this at that time. Progressively, I really came to realize that I needed to, I always, you know, what's the word uh, beat to my own drum mm-hmm. and it worked for me, but you know, um, I'll share a quick story about the uh, Morgan's hotel group in Hudson in New York. And Hudson is a you know thousand room hotel. I was the GM there for about a year. Um, and it was, you know, I probably knew um, the second or third day when that I was there that I should not have taken that job. And I took that job. I left the Blackstone hotel in Chicago where I had some awesome success. Probably my, put it right up there with being the GM at Sheridan San Diego. And, um, and we could talk about that if you have time, but I took this job in New York because they were going to pay me a shit ton of money. 
And I was like, wow, I get to go back to New York City, which I really didn't like. Um, and I got to be the GM of this iconic lifestyle hotel. And being the artist I am, the quick story is the hallways in that hotel were so dark, right? And they were gray and the ceiling was gray. And I heard from customers, uh, in particular female customers, that they didn't feel safe at night checking in at 11 o'clock in New York City at a high rise hotel, at, you know, in, you know, midtown Manhattan, if you will, by Columbus Circle. Mm -hmm. And the hallways were dark. So, you know, I said, went to my director of engineering and said, I want to paint the right hand side of the hallway a lighter color. And I want to paint the ceiling tiles, you know, a lighter color to brighten up the hallway. And he said to me, you shouldn't do that. I said, why? He said, trust me, you shouldn't do it. You know, the designers and the people from corporate are going to tell you they shouldn't do it. And, you know, the, the mantra asked for forgiveness versus permission. Mm -hmm. I said, well, I'm still your boss and let's do it because I believe in it. So I did it right. And the hallway looked awesome and the uh, customers were incredibly happy. I did, uh, I did surveys of the people that were staying in there and said, how do you like it before? How do you like it after? Of course they liked it. Mm -hmm. Well, about a week after all this transpired, the head of design for Morgan's hotel group comes down, shows up in my office and it was not a good situation, right? Because she said to me, you are not a designer. You are an operator of a hotel and how dare you paint this hotel? It has a specific design that's supposed to be, you know, for a certain way and you need to paint that hallway back right away. And so that was kind of the beginning of the end for me there. And it was a, <laughs> it was, uh, you know, a mutual parting of the ways, if you will. Um, but, uh, you know, that was, who's this guy Cartwright and who does he think that he is that he can do all these things? And, you know, in other companies I was rewarded for, you know, my entrepreneurial. Yeah. And, and yeah. a go getter. But I mean, you said from an early point, you knew you probably shouldn't have taken the job. At what point did your gut tell you you probably shouldn't take the job? When um, I really got to know the manager that I was working for, and he was an absolute micromanager and nobody likes to be micromanaged unless you're a, a completely mediocre person. And on day three, there was a, there was a very prescriptive, you need to do one, two, three, four. And when you're done with one, two, three, and four, I need you to do five, six, seven, eight. And I said, Oh my God, that's why they're paying me a lot of money. Right. Was, and was there anything that, you, was it. that suggested this before you committed, before you took the role, anything about this place that just didn't sit right with you, like a, a yellow flag, anything at all? Um, my big aha learning moment, Eric, from this was really do your due diligence on the company that you're going to join and make sure that your values match up with their values. Mm -hmm. And that was my big thing was, you know, I was enamored that I got a phone call from their CEO congratulating me on my success at the Blackstone and how we put that hotel back on the map and we did innovative, creative things. And, you know, you brought a big hotel, so come to New York City and we'll pay you what you want. And I was like, wow, this is cool. The CEO of a publicly traded company is telling me, come and work for me. And somebody that I still, um, you know, I still really, I keep in touch with uh, Mr. Kleisner. His name is Fred Kleisner. Um, and he left about three months after I got there and a whole new regime came in from Marriott of all places. And, uh, we just didn't click. And so I don't know that there was any yellow flags, um, before, 
um, it was the thing that really drew me to it, to be honest with you, is that the Hudson Hotel is a monster. It's a monster of a hotel that we could have six or 700 arrivals and departures in a day. We had night, a nightlife scene there that would go until four o'clock in the morning. And the reputation of that hotel was it eats up general managers, right? They went, mm-hmm. they've gone through more general managers than any other hotel in the history of God's good earth. I promise you that. And that was appealing to me because I was going to beat that monster. <laughs> and, um, and I didn't, but it ended up making me um, go to a much better place and end up in a better place as a person. But just do your due diligence. If you're ever looking at joining a company, look to the people that are working for the company and check their values, check their ethics and check their, uh, you know, what, what is their real reputation? And um, it was a great experience. I wouldn't go back on it for a second. I would just, I shouldn't have taken it because they were going to pay me a lot of money in New York city. A lot of money doesn't go very far. Yeah. And you know, that's one of the biggest lessons. One of the most common failures I've seen is when people chase the money, whether it's getting, whether it's, taking a job or getting investment from somebody who doesn't have the same core values as you do. Like people often just bite on the money. And you know, at the end of the day, like if you're not happy doing this work, I mean, we, we don't make a lot of money in this industry. You really have to just be happy with what you're doing and have it resonate with your core values, your, your beliefs. And when you do that, you're going to be much happier. When you're happier, you're going to put a, a way better service. And then that's when the money starts coming is when you're happy and you, and you just, you're in a good place emotionally. You can't do this job. Well, if you're not in a good place emotionally, um, no doubt you nailed it right in the head. Yeah. Awesome stuff. So we're going to take a break. Thank our sponsors. We'll be right back. Have you ever found yourself just wishing you could have your own personal assistant? I mean, oh, to have your own assistant in the restaurant business, man, that'd be nice. Well, now it's possible with Upserve. Upserve is your assistant that helps you make small, easy changes that dramatically improve your bottom line. It does this by harnessing the power of data. Let's be honest, most restaurants don't use data well, but it's not their fault. There's two big reasons why. First, your data is disconnected, which limits its power. And second, even the data that you've got isn't fast and easy to use by 2016 standards. Well, Upserve can help you with that. To learn more, simply schedule a free demo by going to resources.upserve.com upserve.com slash restaurants unstoppable again that's resources.upserve.com slash restaurants unstoppable what are you waiting for get on it all right we're back and the first question i have for you is around people and this is one thing that just really draws me to you rob is just you're, you're so good with people like what's your advice on hiring managing and retaining people in this industry So my first advice is don't hire anybody, select them. And you should select people based on talent rather than looking at their experience or intelligence or determination. Talent is crucial for your success and you can't teach it. Um, You can certainly develop it. Um, You can't add talent later. You either have it or you don't. So don't look at people's resumes, you know, select people based on the talent. And if the talent is there, you can nurture it to grow and, you know, talent, like for me, can be remembering, uh, you know, the names that go with uh, faces or the ability to solve really complex problems. Um, talent can be your fascination with being impatient, um, or it can also be your aversion to it. And talent is a reoccurring, 
you know, pattern of thought or feeling or behavior. And I think the great managers understand that every role um, requires talent because every role requires certain recurring patterns of thought, feelings, and behavior. And it's so much more important than experience, brain power, or even willpower. And, you know, a lot of people pour over resumes and just don't do it. When I interview people, I want to see what their natural talent is, right? So I'm not going to hire somebody to work in housekeeping if I know they keep their house as a total mess. Mm -hmm. We're not going to hire people at the front desk if they don't naturally smile and don't want to connect with people. Um, you know, when it comes to managing, I always try to define the outcome um, rather than telling people what to do. And I totally don't believe in micromanaging, you know, obviously based on the story I just told you, but I believe that expectations and talking about what the outcome is, is the only way to manage the team. And by doing that, you allow your coworker to use their talent to the fullest and they can reach their potential. And yeah. if you've select, if you've selected the right talent, uh, managing is second nature. And then, you know, retaining people, it's focus on their strengths rather than their weaknesses and, um, you know, try to enhance their strengths. And, you know, people like to point out when you do things wrong, you know, uh, the, the example I always give is, you know, your kid comes home and they get a report card and they have a D in social studies. And the parents usually say, you got straight A's and everything else, but you got a D in social studies. So we need to have you work on your social studies. Well, you know what? That really doesn't make the kiddo feel that great. Mm -hmm. Why not accentuate what they're doing really well and have them continue to get better at it? So that's how I think you retain um, people. And um, I think you also retain people by having an esprit de corps. Um, you know, that French word, and I always try to, uh, French phrase, I always try to uh, talk and strive for that. And it literally means a feeling of pride, fellowship, and common loyalty that's shared by members of a group or a team. And that kind of sums up uh, my people process right there. Yeah, I love it. And I'll be honest, one of the things that really drew me to you was that focus on people and enhancing people, and developing people, and investing in the people that work for you and uh, just providing opportunity, especially because your whole your whole hospitality group is surrounded on the, the idea of creating those unique experiences, those unique concepts that allow people to express themselves uh, and the uniqueness of that. Uh, just really drew me to you. Do you want to say anything else to that? You know, um, in terms of, of caring and in terms of, of having a commitment to watching people grow and, and making them feel like they make a difference. That's what people really want. They want to know that their genuine efforts that they put forth every day are, are contributing to a larger cause and that they are an important cog in the wheel and you have to make everybody feel like they are valued. And that's where managers fail. And that's where businesses fail mm -hmm. is when people don't feel appreciated and valued and they're not recognized specifically for their efforts. And when you have this connection or engagement with your team and you know how they want to be recognized for a job well done and you actually do it, it surprises people because you can't just recognize everybody in the same way and say, oh, we're going to put Billy up on front of the stage and tell him what a great person he is. Well, Billy might not want that. Billy might just want a thank you note or he might want a scratch lotto ticket. So, you know, I don't think there's anything more important that you can do as a as a manager in hospitality other than being totally committed to the success of your people and, you know, being the enabler of their success. You know, my job as a manager has always been to have you do everything you can to reach your best 
possible potential. Whatever that is, that is my job. And if you approach it, if you approach it that way, it's, you know, it's worked for me. It doesn't work for everybody else, but, um, you know, I love seeing people grow. I love seeing people move on to Man, be general managers. It's and, evident. And CEOs. It's evident. It's there. It's totally evident. And uh, I got to ask me, what's your, what are some of your current challenges, man? What are, what are the industry challenges you're, you're dealing with right now or something that you see coming around the corner that you're bracing for? Um, you know, I hate that technology is trying to take over the hospitality world. I hate that there's robots in McDonald's and robots in hotels now. I think it's just asinine. Mm -hmm. But I think the more pressing challenge is, is really keeping this vocation of hospitality alive for the next generation and, you know, attracting the right talent out of college and going deep into like charter schools and high schools and being involved in recreating career paths for people to not only join hospitality, but, you know, almost to take a leap earlier and become, you know, hospitality entrepreneurs, if you will, earlier in life than guys like me who are doing it now. And mm -hmm. I'm not old but I wish I had the guts to do it earlier, but it's, it's really around this. The, the, it, I hate to say war for talent, but it's, it's getting the younger generation, that next generation excited to be part of hospitality for the right reasons. And that is, you know, this natural need for people to connect with other people, to feel like they belong, to have them feel like they're special. Why, why do you think I, there isn't a heart in this industry? Why do you, where do you think it went? Why do you think it's so diluted? Why, where did the passion go? I don't think that it's diluted. I think that this next generation, you know, I was so excited and lucky to make $10.75 an hour in 1994 to be a management trainee. It was 23200 bucks a year. And I, I, you know what, man, I was like, that's awesome. Oh my God, that's incredible. I'm making $23,000 a year. People that are coming out of schools today, they want to make $75,000 and you need to make me a manager right away. And I, I think that it's, I don't know that it's entitlement. Um, and I don't know that, you know, because people aren't going to get those kind of jobs coming out of college that they're being, you know, persuaded to do other things. And, you know, certainly technology and startups and developing apps, everybody wants to do that. I think that we as an industry need to do, I don't think we've lost heart, Eric. I think that we've lost focus. And, you know, the whole Marriott Starwood merger for hotels, they're going to have 30 homogenized brands that are all going to look the same. They're all going to have heavenly beds and heavenly showers. And I think that's an awesome opportunity for companies like Untitled to differentiate. Yeah, but man, let me the, ask, do you think those types of hotels, those types of restaurants, these homogenized chains are any way to tap into your higher needs to really feel like you're a part of something greater, special, you know, that's aligned with your core values? It's it do you think that affects it? Um I think it will. Um I think we are certainly going to take the right approach toward you know, looking at, you know, everything that we're doing at Untitled Hospitality, when we're looking to hire people, um, we are looking at it as a total opposite, like, you know, Bizarro Superman or Bizarro Jerry from Seinfeld. We should do it this way. Well, no, let's try the total opposite. And we're looking at different compensation structures, um, you know, having policies such as a no vacation policy having totally flexible work schedules and, you know, having a more self-directed team approach in the hospitality world to attract really, you know, people that want to work in hospitality. And I know you and I had a little tete-a-tete -tete about this, which is I want to, you know, in my hotel in San Diego, the one that I'm going to be associated with, I want to hire professionals that want to work in hospitality as a career. Mm -hmm. And, 
um, it's a hard thing for people to kind of grasp sometimes. And I think it's a, it's more of a goal for me because we are investing money for people to work with us and to help them reach their potential. And, you know, if six years down the road, they want to go be a nurse. Well, that's great. Um, and I guess if we help them come to that reality, it's great. Um, but I do want people to grow and leave the organization. And if they leave to go to hospitality, I just want hospitality to be this vocation that I, you know, for people to be as passionate and realize that you could have a great life. You could make, you know, the money that you need to make to have an awesome family and feel fulfilled as a human being. Um, I want people to be excited about it. And, um, you know, when I hire people, I want people that want to work at hospitality. I don't want this to be a pit stop for you before you, you know, go and, and do something else and go work for IBM or God forbid Marriott. Um, <laughs> no, I, um, you know, I want it to be real, genuine, innovative hospitality people that want to be with us for a long time. I love it, man. I get it. I get it. So let me ask you're all over the place between New Hampshire and San Diego and all this work. And I mean, to be a general manager, to be a restaurant owner or any kind of management role in this industry just takes crazy amount of, you know, dedication, 50, 60 hours a week. How do you find time for your wife, your beautiful wife who you love so much, who you fly back to New Hampshire for once a week? Like, how do you do it? How do you find that balance? You know, um, we, you know, and we've got two boys that are 10 and seven and I do my absolute best to be present when I'm with them. And, you know, I also find time for myself and I paint and I read and I meditate. I try to learn as much as I can. You know, when I'm at work, I'm committed. I'm all in. And I find that being dedicated and present while I'm at work helps to improve my own personal productivity, which makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I'm with my family, I, we talk about being present and it's mm-hmm. a constant battle with the 10 and seven year old boys. And, but we get pretty good at it. You know, most important for me are date nights and making them happen. Mm-hmm. Um, having close friends, um, helps with balance. You know, we're all in the same boat and having great friends. We have incredible friends in New Hampshire that, um, you know, we're super lucky to live there. Um, and having family that, you know, we love being around results in having fulfillment. So it's not really about balance for me. It's more about having this fulfillment, um, that when I'm with my family, I'm present and it's hard and we're always working on it, but it's about being present. It's not always about the quantity of time. It's about the quality of time you have together. Mm, I love it. And it's not just the present with your family. It sounds like when you're at work, you're present too. Like if you're there for 10 hours, it's a solid 10 hours where you're just cranking stuff out. So it sounds like you're extremely efficient. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, um, that's a good point. I think, um, you know, Shelly tells me that all the time. My wife, she said, I, I, you know, when, you know, there are days I work from home, I got a home office, you know, and I'll put a solid eight hours in, but I'll go straight. And Mm -hmm. if you think about working in an office environment, you know, you got people that, and these things are important, but people that'll come in and they want to, you know, shoot the shit with you and they want to, you know, talk. I just want to be focused and on the job. I don't really want to talk about like politics or anything else. I just want to do my work. So um, I try to be as efficient as I can and just, I'm going to get my work done at the end of the day. I'll have, you know, eight emails in my inbox, which is in my reading pane and I'm good to go and I'm done. So yeah, I think I'm a pretty efficient worker. Heard. Awesome. So let's talk about, uh, you already said you, you would love to make time to read. What are some of the books you're reading? Some of the resources you can share on hospitality or just business in general, just personal growth. Like what are some of those books you recommend? First and foremost is, uh, Marcus Buckingham first break all the rules. Uh, it's the single most impactful book I've ever read in my professional career. Um, just get it. It's mandatory reading for any person that works with me. Um, it's a full-time reference book and, you know, it's a must read for my team. 
Um, I, I really recommend reading as much as you can, take notes and look at ways that you can implement to what's, and test what you learn. What's the biggest lesson from that book you took away? So um, they, uh, Marcus Buckingham worked for Gallup, okay. and they, sur- they surveyed 25,000 managers over a span of 20 years and employees that worked for these successful managers, and they deemed success by um, departments that were in hotels and hospitals and manufacturing facilities as being profitable, low turnover, and high guest satisfaction, right, or customer satisfaction. Yep. And they broke, they broke it down to these 12 questions that when you asked these 12 questions of these workers that worked for these great managers, they, were, they answered overwhelmingly positive, and I can't rattle them off to you, but, you know, the first one I could tell you is, do I know what's expected of me at work? Mm-hmm. The second question is, at work, do my opinions count? Uh, the third one is, uh, do I have the tools and training to do my job effectively? Uh, one of them is, do I have a best friend at work? And it, this book is all data-driven, but it gives you some real definitive things that you could do to be a great manager, mm-hmm. and um, I love it. And the expectations thing is huge for me. Having opinions count is absolutely huge for me. Um, one of them is, do I feel like I can be the best that I can be at work every day? Which means, do you feel like you're doing what you should be doing? Um, so it's a fascinating book. That was my big takeaway. And, you know, anything with Simon Sinek, you know, start with why. Um, and his TED Talk are certainly absolute oh, must-reads, yeah. must-watches. I watch his TED Talk every time I need to refocus or re-energize, and I just love his message. Yeah, he's great, man. I've dedicated episodes to start with why in that book. It's awesome stuff. And uh, I just checked uh, the – what was it? Um, first first Break All the Rules is on Audible too, and I don't know about you, but I love audiobooks. If without audiobooks, I, would, I wouldn't have read a, a fraction of the books I've, I've covered or listened to a fraction of the books, and that is an audio form. You can get that book for free today if you guys head over to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable. Uh, check it out, and it sounds great. I'm going to add that to my, my cart right now. I'm actually over at Audible. You'll love it. Boom. There we go. It's in my cart. So – um, you heard he mentioned that you kind of have a disdain uh, for technology. You feel like it's ru- or removing that personal touch to the industry. But where do you see the technology serving the industry well? And what excites you about technology? Not necessarily the it, bad stuff, but the good stuff. Technology is good if it enables you to have a high touch environment with your customer. And you know, our team our team uses this um, this uh, productivity tool called Slack. Um, and I definitely recommend that you check it out because it's eliminated email in our company, almost eliminated it. Um, we use it with our internal team and our external partners. And I I share that with you because it, it, it enables us to interact with humans more than just sitting there looking at emails and everything else. And, Mm -hmm. And I highly recommend it. It's, you know, it's changed the way that we communicate, um, with Slack, all the communication is in, you know, one place and there's one inbox to search for everything from messages to documents and files, you know, I think it's a, it's a game changer, but you know, specifically about the guest experience, if there is technology that enables you to have a more, um, you know, human interaction, I think it's great. You know, everybody, you know, I love Uber because, you know, it's not about, you know, riding from one place to the other. It's, it's about for me, the convenience of not having to put a tip to interact. I know exactly when my car is coming and it's about giving me more time to do more things. Mm -hmm. And if we can accomplish that in technology and hospitality, I'm all for it. I just, um, it's not that I have a disdain for it. 
I just don't want to get checked in by a robot or on a kiosk. I, I want to, I want to talk to you. I want, yeah. I want at the air, at the airport, I want you to say, Hey, Mr. Cartwright, it's so great to have you flying with us mm-hmm. today. And I don't get that. And it drives me nuts. <laughs> I get it, man. So I have the, those two links. You said it's Slack and Uber are two technologies that just really have you excited. Yeah. Awesome. So what, if anything, with all the knowledge you have now, what would you tell yourself, the past version of yourself, if you could go back in time, just give yourself one piece of business advice, what would it be? Be patient and exhibit patience. Um, you know, I was with Starwood for 18 years. I got promoted, you know, maybe every two years or so. And I think I would have been better served if I stayed in roles for longer periods of time, um, you know, within the same company. And, you know, never take a job for money. It's never worth it. Trust me. Be patient and never take a job for money. Great pieces of advice. And what is one question I could have asked you that you think would have added more value to this interview? You know, I guess what, if I wasn't doing what I was doing, what would I be doing? And, you know, it's not tough for me. I'd be a full-time artist. I'd be painting and making money. Uh, from doing it. Um, you know, I'd get up at like four every morning and paint until nine and sell my paintings and take my kids to school every day. And, you know, I think that um, I can see my artist future. You know, I just have to build a few hotels and untitled brands and help a few hundred people reach their potential. And then I'll be that artist in retirement. But um, that's what I would be doing if I wasn't doing uh, what I'm doing now. And the problem is that I'm equally as passionate about both. Um, <laughs> I just, I just think, I just think I'm better at being a hotel guy. I wrap up every episode by having my guests call somebody out. So who's one indie restaurant professional or maybe hotel professional that you admire and think would just be a great guest mentor on the show like you were today? One of my biggest inspirations and influences personally and professionally is Chip Conley. Um, you know, Chip was the founder of Joie de Vives, and he is now the global head of hospitality for Airbnb. He also has founded this, uh, you know, um, Fest 300. He's huge into festivals like Burning Man. Um, he's made a tremendous impact on so many people's lives, mine included. He's one of the kindest, most genuine humans you could ever be around. Um, I don't think I'd be the hotelier I am without his books and his teaching and his sharing of what it means to be in hospitality. And I'll throw another uh, person in there, and it's in San Diego. His name is Arsalan Tabazoli. And He's from a San Diego-based company called Consortium Holdings or CH Projects. And he's the dude behind groundbreaking creations like Ironside Fish and Oyster and Neighborhood. And honestly, no one does beverage and food like Arsalan. The guy is the most innovative food and beverage professional that you may or may not have heard of. Um, you know, he's got maybe 12 restaurants. He's going to open another three all here in the San Diego area. Um, he's unbelievable and, um, go check him out. So, all right. Arslan um, and Chip, I, look out. I'm coming after you. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And I have, man, Chip's books specifically peak, uh, was such an, such an eye opening book for me. Uh, this, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs is just a must read. If you guys haven't checked out Chip Connolly's book peak, I mean, I would love to have him on the show. Just discuss that book. I think it would be incredible. So if you can help me make that happen, man, I'd be in debt to you, my friend. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, you know, you're you're letting me uh, share my story with you today, and you know, getting to you know 
talk a little bit about, about what I love. So it's the least I can do. So Chip, we're we're gonna get you on here. Yes. I'm sure he'd love to. I'm sure he'd love to do it. That'd be awesome. All right, just let the listeners at home know how can we connect with you if they have any questions, if they want to pick up the conversation, or maybe act on some of the advice that you had, and they need a little bit more information. How can we connect? Um, you can email me, uh, rc at untitledhospitality.com. Pretty easy email to remember. Um, I'm, I'm on the Twitter. Um, <laughs> not all the time, but you can find me at, at, on, on Twitter at Cartwright. Uh, that's C-A-R-T-W-R-I-G-H-T. Um, but, uh, yeah, you can call me. You can find my cell phone on our website. Uh, I'd love to hear from anybody. And, you know, I think what we're doing at, you know, Untitled is really going to turn hospitality on its ear. You know, we're going to challenge people's conception of hotels are, and we're going to make a completely delible impression on the industry. And, you know, we really believe that things are universally better when people do things that they love and that they do it the way they think it should be done. And it's the best way. And, you know, we believe the way that we're going to do this hotel, this specialty hotel that's going to open in the fall of 17 um, is going to change people's, con- you know, perception of what a, a hotel can be. And, you know, we're going to turn it on its ear. That's our, you know, that's our goal and our mission. And, you know, the other thing I would tell you, we're, um, you know, and you'll find it on our website pretty soon, but we're doing a, uh, a conference in San Diego that's going to have some of the best hospitality leaders coming together for a day and talking about their stories. And I promise you will have a ticket, Eric, and I'll even take you to, I will even take you to the San Diego Zoo because my wife used to work there and we've got lots of friends there, so it's pretty cool. Oh, you're the best. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's going to be called Staycraft. Uh, it's going to be a, uh, you know, we've got a pretty exciting blog uh, coming out and that's going to highlight the lessons of some of these hotel and hospitality folks, you know, that'll be on a website. And we're going to get everybody together for a, uh, for a one-day conference on a Monday much like our friends, you know, Anthony Rudolph uh, and Will Gadara do with the Welcome Conference. We're going to do, you know, our take on it geared a little bit more towards hotels and restaurants a little bit. And it's going to be kind of fun. And, you know, we're calling it Statecraft because, you know, we want to stay true to our craft, stay true to our beliefs. Um, when you craft something and you're making it, and when you have a craft, it's some kind of expertise, and we want everybody to stay true to what they believe. And whether that's in, you know, being the best craft brewer in the world, being the best hotel in the world, being the best restaurateur in the world, you should just be true to who you are. So um, that's why we came up with Stay Craft, and we're going to do it in the fall of 16. And it'll be really nice in the fall out here. Um, so you'll enjoy it, and you've got to come. sounds awesome. It does. I'll have all those links in the show notes as well. This is episode 224, I believe. So just head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 224. You'll find the links right there. And the other thing, too, that's worth mentioning, I'm going to plug this for you, Rob, is that these guys are looking for people who are truly passionate about the hospitality industry. If you want to work for a mentor, if you want to work for somebody who's going to invest in you, your career, to develop you, Rob's your guy. I mean, they're looking for t- passionate people. Don't be afraid to reach out to, Ma- to Rob as a mentor, to, to have him invest in you as a member of his team. Uh, it will be worth it. So that's a little extra there. And I'll have the links to your – I think you have a careers page, right, on Untitled Hospitality? Yeah, yeah we do. We've got, we've, got, we've got two jobs listed up there, and I think you'll see how we're different. And if you look at the questions that we're asking people to fill out um, – 
you know, it's, it's definitely different. So uh, it'll make you think on your feet a little bit when you apply to work with us. And so we kind of get to know you. And um, I would love for all of you awesome hospitality humans to give us a chance. And we're not just going to do things in San Diego. We've got a project that we're working on in Austin, Texas, uh, Richmond, Virginia, Denver. Uh, we've got some pretty cool projects that are coming out. So uh, just keep an eye on us. And, you know, Eric, thank you, man, uh, for letting me hang out with you today. I really enjoyed it. And uh, can't wait to see you next week in New Hampshire when we get together yes, again. Let's do it, man. Absolutely. And it's always a pleasure talking to you. I can't believe it's already like an hour and five minutes. Time just flies when oh, uh, I'm, we're just listening to you, man. You have such incredible advice. So, uh, there you go, guys. There you go. Everything's right there. I'll have all those links in the show notes. Again, restaurant unstoppable slash two two four. Rob, thank you again for taking the time to join me to uh, just share this incredible advice, your mentorship. There's no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thank you, brother. Cheers. And there you have another episode wrapped up at restaurant unstoppable rob cartwright thank you so much for joining me today man what an awesome interview what actionable advice uh just so much positivity in this interview and just stress put on caring for others and making it about the people that are in your business and and just this is such a high touch such a uh socially intelligent industry and rob you get that uh, you're truly passionate and awesome stuff today. If you guys enjoyed this episode and you want more episodes just like it, shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. Tell me who you want to hear from. Who is a mentor in your community? Who is just crushing it on the restaurant scene? Connect me. I'll have them on the show as a guest mentor. We'll learn together. We'll get their story. We'll find out what it takes to be unstoppable in one of the most challenging industries known. Uh, again, that email is eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. And you guys can uh, always shoot me a message. Let me know what you think about the show, what I could be doing better, what challenges you're having. Maybe I can get an expert on the show to help address those challenges. I really want this show to be a tool for you guys to be able to use. I want you to feel like you can shoot me an email or even call me, whatever you want to do. Get in touch with me. Let me know what your challenges are, and I can try to help you, and I'll get an expert on the show to do that. Uh, It's that easy, so use this resource. Uh, Then lastly, do use the links in the show notes. Uh, Head over to restaurantstoppable.com slash books or slash tools to get a complete list of all the past books in technologies my past guests recommend uh they're all there i put them in one spot so you can just see what people are using to stay on top of what's changing in our industry and um yeah keep those five star reviews coming thank you so much if you're if you already left one those are so helpful thank you guys so grateful for those reviews uh and then tell your friends spread the word this is a free resource with people proven successful restaurateurs proven successful sharing what they've done to become successful why wouldn't you want to share this with a friend all right guys that's all i have today until next time peace out